0: Welcome to A Word from the Valley, a weekly podcast produced for you from Zion Lutheran Church in Middletown, Maryland. For more information about our faith community and our weekly worship services, visit us at zionmiddletown.org or find us on Facebook. We hope you have a great week and God bless. after and I are teaching confirmation this year, teaching middle schoolers how to read the Bible. Our focus is on the Old Testament the Hebrew Bible, but really we're just trying to teach them how to read the Bible and trying to be a little bit different than how I re- learned how to read the Bible. It was third grade. I was in Miss Hiskey's third grade class at Emanuel Lutheran School on the corner of Lock Raven Boulevard right across the street from Good Samaritan Hospital. Miss Hiskey was terrifying. Her name does not describe a lot of her. She was tough. She had been teaching for a very long time. She drove a crown Victoria, a brown crown Victoria, that looked like it was falling apart. You Remember, what was the movie um, The Girl Gets Adopted? she has power. She can move things with her mind. Was that Matilda? Yeah. Remember uh, the lady who ran the school? Like That 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 was Miss Hiskey, in my mind, anyway. I'm sure she was a delightful woman, but in my mind, that was... Uh, what was her name? The trunchbull. The trunchbull, yeah. Um, and every week in class, part of our religious work was memorizing different Bible passages. And Miss Hiskey had been teaching since Jesus was born, so of course she didn't use any of the newer translation. It was all King James Version or the Revised Standard Version, none of which we use today in church, which is fun because sometimes my brain will put those verses together in combinations that you all have no idea what I'm talking about. It's just how my brain works. We had to memorize a verse every single week. My memorization skills were a lot better back then, but they weren't great they're certainly not good now, every week I pretty much found myself not able to say the verse that we were, we had to stand up in front of class, you know less, and, and read the verse aloud to everybody, and if you didn't get it right, you stayed in from recess. So the way I pretty much memorized scripture was writing it on the board over and over and over and over again for half an hour to an hour uh, while everybody else played outside. I don't want to do that to our confirmands. They probably never come back anyway. Uh, but trying to teach them how to read the Bible, and unless you are held in captivity or live under a, a rock, most likely you're always going to have a Bible at your fingertips. You don't need to memorize diff- different passages because you're always going to. You can just find a Bible that's on your phone. Even you don't need to have memorization skills. Instead, what I want my kids to do is have some critical thinking skills. To be able to look at a passage when they hear it, and be able to ask themselves five different questions. And every week that we look at the Bible at a different passage, every time we look at one, we fill out this chart. It has five boxes on it. In the first box, it says uh, what characters are involved. What's go- in the next box is what's going on in the story. The third, what actions do the people take? Fourth, what actions does God take? And then finally, what happens at the end of the story? I started teaching this method because in, in many ways, this is how I approach every single text that I read. I look for the characters, look for what's going on, and how the story ends. And there's other techniques out there like this. In Anna Carter Florence's book, Rehearsing Scripture, she has a similar activity for reading Scripture, using a technique she has coined, find the verbs. Which is also a really good way to look biblical texts to identify the chief actors and actions of a particular text. Verbs tell us what actions are taking place, so it's important to, to understand the verbs in each text. What are the people doing? Is it the opposite of what God is doing? What is God doing? What is God commanded? What has God promised? Is God making good on that promise? The verbs... And any particular text answered these questions. So, in looking at all the verbs from our Isaiah reading today, we first notice that God is a very verby God. There's a lot going on in this text. God is not a lazy God. And notice the tense of what, and notice what the tense of each of these verbs is teaching us. God is active in the present reality in order to bring into this new reality, in order to bring us into this new reality that God is preparing for us. Humanity, throughout the course of this reading from Isaiah, has very few verbs attributed to it. And the verbs that are, they're very confusing. And that's the second thing that I notice about this text, is that humanity does not have much to say in any of this vision that God is proclaiming to Isaiah. Nowhere in this text does God say to Isaiah, give the people a choice. I want to hear what they have to say. God doesn't say, Isaiah, I want you to, to create a survey on SurveyMonkey, pass it out to everybody, and I want to see where everybody, what everyone's thinking so I can do what makes them happy. Now, this isn't Burger King. In God's new reality, you can't have it your way, which is good because if we had it our way, we would receive justice, not mercy. And justice for a bunch of sinners ain't pretty. So you can either have it God's way or no way. And notice what God instructs Isaiah to say to to all who are fearful of heart. He says, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, terrible recompense. He will come and save you. I think we need to explain to God that this might not be the best thing to say right now while the people are living in exile and captivity under a stronger force. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. Imagine you are a part of the stronger force, and you hear Isaiah saying these things. Them fighting work. Isaiah is told to proclaim these words in the midst of the Babylonian exile, which is a bit strange and weird to me. Let me paint you a picture of, of what has happened that has led up to the Israelites being captive. The Babylonians have killed King Zedekiah's son right in front of him, and they, and they just didn't kill him. They made King Zedekiah come, kneel, they bring out his sons, they kill his sons in front of him, and then they pluck out his eyeballs. Because the last thing they want King Zedekiah to see is the death of the Davidic heir. The heirs to David's throne, killed before the king's face. That's the last thing that he saw. The Babylonians have removed Israel from their land. They have destroyed the temple, the dwelling place of God here on earth, and murdered a number of its citizens, of her citizens. These words from Isaiah would have been seen as a rousing way of rousing the troops, which in turn very well might upset the captors, making difficult the lives of those already living in exile, condemned to die away from their home and kin. These words bring hope to a people living in a very hopeless situation, that God will make things right once again. But as history tells us, none of those hearing these words from Isaiah firsthand. Will ever see this prophecy fulfilled. Salvation, while a promise from God that one day will be fulfilled, it would not be fulfilled while they're alive. In theological circles, we call this a delayed eschatology. But delays eventually come to an end. So, how will we know that the delay has ended? Notice what, what God speaks to Isaiah then in verse 5 and 6. He says, The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. That sounds very familiar. It should. because I just read it from the gospel lesson today. John the Baptist is wondering if Jesus is a real thing. So John says to some of his disciples to go question Jesus. And Jesus answered him, he says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Jesus pretty much quotes the prophet Isaiah here. He quotes the prophet Isaiah to the other prophet who heralded Jesus' coming. This prophet seems to have some doubts about who Jesus is, even though he heralded his coming. He wonders if Jesus is the one, or is there someone who is coming after Jesus? I think John and many of his followers, maybe even us today, had a very different idea of what the Messiah, the Savior of the people, would look like and act like. John expected a different Messiah, but Jesus is the Messiah. He is the real deal. And he reminds his cousin what the prophet Isaiah promised about him. Jesus reminds us that the Messiah would not come to overthrow our government, but would come and bring sight to the blind to make the lame walk, the deaf to hear, the dead back to life. But I think we also need to explore a little bit of this text as well. This part of the text is often used to look down on people who are lame, blind, deaf, poor, disabled. And that is not what this promise from God is speaking to. Often we, we look at people who are disabled as something that is seen as less of a whole, makes them less of a person, which is just not true. Being blind, lame, or disabled does not mean life has come to an end. It certainly does not mean that it's a punishment from God. Rather, what I think Isaiah is doing and what Jesus is saying is that in this new reality that God is ushering in, all that we will be able to see, to hear, and feel is the glory of God around us. All that our tongues will be able to confess is the majestic glory of our God. Nothing else will matter. Isaiah is absolutely confident in that message. He says the word shall 24 times. The only other word used the most in that passage is the word the, used 27. Shall is one of the most, one of the strongest imperatives we have in the English language. It all goes back to what I said in my second point this is going to happen. God is going to act, and we are going to be pulled into this new reality. A reality designed for God's people where there will be no ravenous beasts who can destroy this new place that God is creating. Only the redeemed will be allowed to walk there. The ransomed ones who have been stuck in exile return home. People return singing of Zion. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Joy and gladness will replace sorrow last verse, I can imagine that can be very hard to hear. I especially imagine it being very hard to hear for those stuck in exile in Babylon, away from their land and their homes. I think it's also hard for us to hear today, especially if you're experiencing grief and loss, and your faith is stressed. It's hard to hear these words if you're spending Christmas alone for the first time. It is in moments like these. It's not the pastor's job to explain why bad things happen, but it's simply to preach the gospel message. And the gospel, the message from our God is that the ransomed people will return home. That God has paid your ransom, that you are set free You will return home singing with joy in your heart. Everlasting joy shall be upon your heads. Our sorrow and sighing shall flee, and we will be in the glory of our Lord. We will not be able to see anything else. That message, that good news, is what we cling to this day what so we cling to this Advent season, as we fervently pray for our God to come. In the midst of our pain and in our grief, in our joys and happiness, this Advent and Christmas season, let us continue to pray without ceasing, without ceasing, for our God to be with us, for our God to be present, and present in more than just the form of a little baby, present in the way that Isaiah is describing this vision from God, present with us, not just in the splendor and glory above us, but with us in our destitution and in our despair, bringing life back to a very hopeless and dead